0: I just think it's just it's so fitting and so because of what God's doing in my own life and because of because of where we are at as a church I encourage you to read with me from Luke chapter 12 we'll start at verse 13 and we'll carry on all the way down to verse 34 Lord this is your word And I pray that you would speak to us as only you are capable of because you wrote it. Lord, would you continue to change me with this word and would you change each of us? In your name we pray, amen. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he, Jesus, said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They, they, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able... To do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You almost don't have to preach this one, eh? You just kind of have to read it. On that um, morning, when I was reading Luke chapter twelve, um, I was struck by God's kindness. I'll explain a little later. But as we go through this passage, I first want you to notice that someone in the crowd yells out a question. God an- Christ answers them, and then but and then 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 Christ tells a story to the crowd. That, that's typically the way Jesus does it. He tells a parable to the to the to the masses, and then. He, in his kindness, unpacks it for his disciples. He does that again here. We're not told who this person was in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Uh, back then, if, if, you, if the father didn't have a will, uh, all the possessions would just be handed on to the, the oldest son. And it was up to the oldest son then to pass the money along or share the inheritance as he would see fit. It would seem that this individual, older brother, wasn't quite willing to share the inheritance. And it seems like he was slightly ticked off. And you and I probably would go, well, he seems to have a right to be ticked off he comes to Christ and he says, Christ, tell teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Like, he's got to share it. Now, the, I think the reason why he comes to the teacher, why he comes to Jesus in that way, is because he thinks Jesus is the, the Christ, but he has this picture of the Christ being a temporal kingdom. He's, he's thinking of Jesus sitting on a throne in Jerusalem and, and overseeing the nation. And so he becomes like a Moses. And that—that's kind of his picture. That's how he sees Jesus, and Jesus has a different kingdom. It almost sounds that Jesus is rude when he answers him in verse fourteen. Man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? And then Jesus says something very harsh. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. No, just just hold it. This guy's simply saying, I just want a share of my inheritance. And my brother isn't willing to share it. And Jesus says, be on your guard against covetousness, greed, discontentment. Not being satisfied with what you actually have now. (laughs) I read that and I go, well, Lord, don't you think the, the guy had some point in this? And, and the more I pause on that, the more I go, Christ isn't just simply speaking to this member in the crowd. He's speaking to me. Covetousness is greed. Covetousness is this idea of not being content in every state I'm in. Uh, uh, covetousness is saying, I want... I'm not satisfied with what I have now. I want something here. It could be money. It could be possessions. But it could be something else beyond that. Go back to the garden. Adam and Eve, they had everything. They had every fruit of all the trees. It was all theirs except for one. And really, at the heart of that sin was they they wanted they desired what they couldn't have. Jesus speaks to that. then he tells a parable, a story, and this story is for the entire crowd he He tells of a man who's quite wealthy. Notice in verse sixteen the land of a rich man produced plentifully. I, I love that because it's not that the, the landowner brought about the, the abundance. The land brought about the abundance. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, or chapter 11, I'm sorry. This is just before the nation of Israel enters into the promised land, and, and Moses is telling them something about this land. He says, the land that you are going to, going over to possess, is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by rain from heaven. A land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So did you hear that? So you're going into a land, it's a land full of hills and valleys and and it's cared for by God. God sends rain. His eyes are upon it. He cares for it. He cares for it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And he says in verse 13, And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil, and he will give grass in your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. Take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly of the good land that the Lord has given you. And the point of that text is very simple. Climate change comes from God. God is in control. I make that statement. I don't I don't make that statement saying that we don't have anything to do with it. But 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 the the point is that when the rains come and we can gather the crops in is because God has been gracious to us. That's a perspective of the world that these people would have lived with in Luke chapter 12 the land produced plentifully because God graciously sent the rains at the right time thanksgiving we went to see my 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 dad my family gathered in southern alberta Thanksgiving time in southern Alberta, where I grew up, is the time where the last, the last bit of the crop comes off. It's the sugar beets. By that time, usually the potatoes are out, the beans are done. But this year, the, the beans have been harvested, but there's a, a whole lot of grain still in the field. Forty percent of the potatoes are still in the field because the frost hit earlier than normal the 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 sugar beets are coming out in little t- snippets because the beets froze in the ground and so they have to actually they actually have to process the beets immediately take them out and immediately go to the factory and be processed and so it's quite unlikely that all the beets will come out this year when those things happen on time and they work well it's because god has graciously allowed them to do that When it falls apart, for whatever reason, it's because God has shaped the weather in that way. Jesus, very clearly, says, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. Now listen to verse 17. He, the rich man, thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for m- many years. Relax, eat, and drink, and be merry. Did you get the picture? The, 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 the Jesus wants us to understand that this guy is so self-absorbed. This guy thinks it's all about himself i my I my, I my. what's striking is his conversations with himself. It reminds me of what we've been reading in Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes four verse nine says two um sorry, seven, again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure. This also is vanity and an unhappy business. When we're pursuing the things of this earth, what typically happens is the people that we love are even neglected, and we become islands. And it's just me. We talk to our it's me, myself, and I. And Jesus just, I think, in a very clever way, in this parable, the story, he just unpacks that this guy, he's alone. uh, He doesn't even see that God is part of this equation. He's not one that falls on his knees and says, Thank you, God, for the crop that you've given me. Verse 20, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Isn't that also what Ecclesiastes says? Everything is vanity. We we, we work so hard to gain something, and, and then in the end we leave it to somebody else. Jesus calls him a fool, one who lacks understanding, one who live, literally lives like there is no God. And Jesus concludes that story simply by saying, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, in the front end, I, I told you that this passage was convicting to Elroy It's because of verses 22 and following, but I think the rich man, Christ wasn't just speaking to those who were completely atheist in their thinking, but he's also speaking to those who who believe that there is a God. I think he's speaking to the church. Verse 22, Jesus turns to his disciples, and then he begins to unpack these things. Well, that's what he typically does. He tells a story, a parable, and then in a clearer way, he tells his followers. And I think that's nothing but his kindness and his grace. Listen to what he says. Therefore, so what he's about to say is connected to what he's just said. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. The word anxious there is found three times in this text. The idea of anxious is to be concerned or to be worried, but it's not concerned in the sense like we're all concerned when when we got to go, how, how are we going to take care of this need or how are we going to take care of this need? If you've if you, if you got needs, you, there's a concern, that there's a legitimate concern, right? But this word speaks of a concern that's right in front of your face. So when you close your eyes at night, you can't can't stop thinking about it. When you're driving down the road, you can't stop thinking about it. It wakes you up in the middle of the night. You can't stop thinking about it. It, It's a a worry. It's an anxiety. He says, don't be anxious about your life. The interesting word, your life, is the same word that we find in verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up. He's making a connection. Don't worry about these things. What you will eat about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. I think we know that. I think we know that. But 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 we still there's this 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 human element that we think, "Oh, what am I going to do?" And we fret and we lay awake and we and we fuss over these things. How does Jesus help us? Consider the ravens. That's odd. If you were counseling somebody and said, I can't sleep at night, what does Jesus do? I'll take a look at that raven over there. And, and, and understand in the Jewish context, a raven was an unclean animal. You couldn't sacrifice a raven to God, okay? This is important. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. God is concerned about even the raven. Luke actually uses the word raven. Uh, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, it just simply says the birds. And I think Jesus probably used the story a few times. But I think it's significant. He says to his disciples, my friends, I want you to consider that unclean animal called the raven. The one that wakes you up in the morning. You you, want to get rid of it. Because it's annoying. God feeds him. Then he says, of how much more value are you than Birds. Maybe money's not your issue. Maybe there's other things in your life that you're you're concerned about or fret over or or sits right here. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? None of us can add an hour to our life. Jesus says, "If then you are not able to do as the smallest thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest?" And Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, "Okay, well, if if that doesn't click, consider the lilies. Uh, Another way this this can be translated is consider the wildflowers. Have you gone in the mountains in the middle of the summer? You go up and you see all the different colors up there. It's strikingly beautiful." Jesus says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Who's Solomon? Who's Solomon? Help me out. What's that? David's son, tell me a little bit about him. What's that? He wrote Ecclesiastes, yeah. What's that? He was incredibly wealthy. What else? Wise. So the guy has all the money, incredibly wise. In all his glory he was not he was not arrayed like the, the, the wildflowers that you see in the mountains in June. There's a striking beauty about what God has created. And Jesus goes on and goes, If God, verse 28, if God so clothes the grass, he changes from lilies to grass, which is interesting, because grass quickly disappears. If God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? So he speaks to us and he says, you are much more value." Uh, he, he speaks to us, and he very clearly says, we're not temporal. God does that for the grass. If that God, God does that for the lilies. Won't he do that for you? Oh, you of little faith. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Notice in in the ESV at least, uh, verse twenty nine, the, the word "they're worried" is different than "anxious." It's the only place we find this term in the Greek in the in the uh, in the in the um, in the New Testament. We see it used elsewhere, and typically it's used for a, a, a boat in in the midst of a storm on sea. And so you kind of paint it's actually painting a picture. He says, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be tossed back and forth in a storm. Kind of the picture that you see in James, don't be, be cast like you're doubting and, and trusting and doubting and trusting. He says, don't, don't, don't be that way. He says, all the nations, all the ethnic groups of the world seek after these things. And your father knows you need them. So he's adding another thing. Not only consider the raven, not only, not only uh, recognize that you're more valuable than the raven and God takes care of the raven. Don't only look at the lilies or the grass. God closes them, and he, so he'll take care of us. He, he says, but he also says, but your father knows you need them. He, does, he doesn't say to his disciples, he doesn't say my father knows you need them. He says your father knows you need them. Do you see the tenderness there? He's speaking to Peter, James, John, and the other disciples. Just a few of them gathered around. And he says, your father knows you need these things. Don't be chasing after them. Now, he's not saying there, there's, we've got the rest of scripture. He's not saying that tomorrow morning you don't have to go out to work, okay? He's not saying that. Understand its verse in, in, in the entire in the entirety of the context of Scripture. But also in the context of the Scripture, that should not be the all-consuming thing in front of us. When I look around at my neighbors, and when I even look in the mirror. Too often the all-consuming thing in my life is the things of this earth. And Jesus says, may it not be so. Then he says, what should be so? Verse 31, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. what's his kingdom revelation chapter 7 where every ethnic group every people group will be gathered around the throne of Jesus and worshipping him in unison that's eternal that's his kingdom its future it's a, it, it his kingdom is a place where Jesus resides where God is in the midst in the presence that's what we should be after that's what should be right here front and center what's his kingdom his kingdom is his rule and his reign he's God he's king he's master he's lord however you want to phrase that he's in charge and we submit that's his kingdom and notice in this passage, it's not that he will, he's not here. He says, instead, seek his kingdom and these things. It, 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 it's, I'm sorry. When his kingdom is here, he says, I'll take care of that. I'll, I'll take care of the, the clothing and the food and all of that stuff. I'll take care of it. And again, it's not saying don't work. doesn't mean you don't have to, you know, do the dishes tomorrow. But what's front and center? Verse 32, fear not, little flock. Again, listen to the tenderness of our Lord here. Peter, James, and John, and the others are around, around him, and he's, he's unpacking this parable that he's shared with the masses, and he looks at them, and he says, don't be afraid, little flock. Flock is a word that God used for the nation of Israel, his chosen people, the people that he called out, not because they were smarter than anybody else, not because they were wealthier, not because they were more, uh, had a greater army, just because. He chose the nation of Israel. And several times in the Old Testament, you, you see them referred to as a flock. And now he looks at his disciples and he calls them the little flock. And later in the book of Acts and in 1 Peter, we're going to see God addressing the church as his flock. It's a term that that, that that helps us understand that he sees us as precious. And when he's talking to Peter, James, and John, it, it, you cannot help but see the tenderness in his voice. Fear not, little flock, for it is, again, your Father's good pleasure to give you clothes, food, Do I, is that what it says? I just want to see if you're awake. doesn't say that, does it? it's your father's good pleasure to give you what the kingdom if i have food that's a great thing but if i have the kingdom that's that's an eternally great thing it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And, and and if that's what we're after, then that's a good news. Again, what is a kingdom? Where God is in charge, God is in control, God is on the throne, God is ruling. I kind of look forward to the day when we don't have to go through an election and 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 I, when I don't have to open the newspaper and and read about. I mean, uh, this morning I wrote, opened up the Globe in the mail on on my phone app, and everything was about the about, about the president in the U.S. I'm like, this is a Canadian paper. <laughs> I can't wait till we have a king who is perfectly good and perfectly just who will make wrong things right, who will wipe every tear from our eyes, where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more sickness, where there will be no more sorrow, or where there will be no more hunger. I long for that king, that day, that kingdom. And Jesus says to his disciples, you little flock, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you that kingdom now the, the language here is present tense which is interesting it's actually heiress, but he's talking about the now he doesn't say he's going to give it to you it's not a promise down the road but he says right now and it's interesting as you're going through luke uh, luke talks about the kingdom we're to pray for its coming he talks about the kingdom that is coming. But then as you get in chapter 10 and chapter 11, he starts saying the kingdom is at hand. Why is it at hand? Because Jesus, the king, is in, his, in our presence. And as he's gathering his little flock, his precious flock, and he says, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Actually, he says, the father has given you the king. He's here with you now. And that hasn't changed. As I read this, I go, oh "Lord, you're the King, and and I belong to you. Why ought I to worry? Well, why would anything else be here, other than your kingdom?" Then he says in verse thirty-three, something incredibly radical: "Sell your possessions and give to the needy." Now, please understand, Jesus. I'm going to say this in one hand, but in another hand, I don't want to lose the radical nature of what he just said. But Jesus, Jesus has this ability to use um, hyperbole, exaggeration, for an effect. And he's just finished saying we need clothes and food. So it's not like we're supposed to get rid of everything. But he is saying we're supposed to get rid of things. Don't hang on to stuff so tightly. Elroy, don't hang on to things so tightly. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Then he goes... Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. Money bags is a purse where you, where you stick your stuff in. It's kind of like the barn that the rich guy had to stick his stuff in. He says, find money bags that you can put your stuff in wh- that don't grow old, that, that, that won't disappear, that won't be destroyed by moth, where thieves can't break in, in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Augustine said it this way. The rich man, if he really understood the way the world works, instead of building barns, he would have taken his grain and put it in the bellies of the needy. That would have been a really good purse that would have been eternal. I love that picture. Did you hear that? Instead of hiding my money in the bank, if i take that money and use it to help the those who are in need that's a perfectly good purse to put my money into if if i instead of just racking up the investments so i can so i can make a bunch of bucks instead take that money and put it in where 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 the kingdom of god can be proclaimed among the nations that's a really good place to hide it because there's an eternal thing there going on there. And then he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice, he doesn't say your heart, he says where your treasure is. So if you put your treasure here with the needy, your heart's going to follow after that. But if, if my treasure's in the bank, my heart's going to follow after that. That's what I'm going to love. That's crazy but it's true our habits actually form our loves it's not just our beliefs form our loves our our habits form our love hopefully our beliefs form the way we invest so what do we do with all this i'm still trying to figure that out lord what are you calling me to to do to trust one is, when I when I worry, when when the things of life are right here in my face, is to pause, even if I have to crawl out of bed and open up this book, is to pause and look at what Jesus said and read it again. If you're like me, my thunker stops thunking. seems like every 10 minutes. And I almost have to physically put the kingdom in my face and remind myself. Consider the raven, Elroy. Consider the lilies, Elroy. Your father knows what you need, Elroy. I, I, I have to do that. For whatever reason, I don't have to do that about other things, but I have to do that about the things of the Lord that's one thing another thing is lord would you help me understand and, and 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 wrestle with how i spend my money and and what do i hang on to and lord what ought i give away and and um how can i even be more generous than i than i am today i got a lot of work there lord how can i seek first your kingdom May help me to put your kingdom here constantly This passage has been, I I think it dovetails in so much of what we see in Ecclesiastes, but, but it's been, in a gracious way, the Lord has been spanking your pastor. I pray that over the week, you'll think and chew on what God has said and wrestle with it yourself. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. But it's so true that you love me and us far more. You pull us aside as well, and you call us your little flock. You point us to our Father who knows everything that we need. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a people. That our treasure would be in the right places, places that would be eternal, where moth and rust cannot destroy it. And as our treasure is placed in those places, Father, our, our hearts would follow. That 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 our compelling vision would be constantly Your kingdom, and that that's what and that's what we'd seek. We'd seek You because You are King and You're with us. Lord, would You grow us with increasing measure in those ways? Father, as we do so, I pray Lord, that you would that you would take care of our needs, but Lord, but even more important that you would allow us to 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 tell the world about this kingdom that we'd share this the good news of this kingdom, the people we work with, and the people we live next to and Lord, would you cause your kingdom? to flourish and grow right here in Community Grace. In your name we pray, amen. You guys want to stand? Can you switch the last two songs? Okay. Should